the volume. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or ten bucks in one 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody, and welcome in to the Thursday morning podcast. I think you're going to love our guest, Ethan Strauss. I introduced you to Ethan, for those who don't know him, about a year ago. He's just terrific. He was one of my first guests. Thought-provoking, pushes back, left the NBA and the Warriors and covering the league to start his own business, and he is flourishing. But first, fake questions, real answers. Stuff I want to talk about. Don't want to wait for you to ask me the question. Dear Colin, Sean McVay's new contract will make him the second highest paid coach in the league. Do you think he deserves it? Yes, because he's not only a Super Bowl winning coach. He's not only a winning coach, he's an innovator, much like Belichick was, Sean Payton was, is that I'm never, ever bothered by high salaries if somebody is not only productive, but is creating new revenue streams, new ideas, and new businesses. I'll give you an example. Michael Rubin, he's the CEO of Fanatics. It's an official merchandising store for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, NASCAR. So in the late 90s, when we didn't know what the heck to do with the internet, right? 
nobody was selling anything online. And he created a company called GSI Commerce that helped other companies and older executives get into e-commerce. It was very risky at the time. I mean, you go back 30 years ago, <laughs> there were not a lot of takers, right? Certainly no executives who knew at these massive companies what the online world was going to look like. It seemed risky. Well, in 2011, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, he sold his company to eBay for $2.4 billion. He's an innovator. And I root for people who are innovators. And that's why I love Sean McVay. Sean McVay said, there's no reason to play any good starters in the preseason. People balked. You won't be ready in September. He won his first eight games. Now the league copies him. He was a big believer in being collaborative as a coach. It's a player's league, much like the NBA. Strong player leadership on teams, listening to players, much less hitting in practice. People rolled their eyes. Look at their defensive rankings. He moved off Jared Goff, basically unheard of in the NFL, moving off a Super Bowl quarterback heading into his prime. Unheard of. When you find a guy that not only wins at the highest level, but he is creating new cultures and ideas, pay him whatever the market bears. I think Michael Rubin, Sean McVay, both innovators and their universes. Dear Colin, we may not have baseball in April. What do you make of that? Well, if you own a baseball team, the worst month is actually April. Ever watched an April baseball game in a northern climate? It's raining. There's no fans. You have to pay all the bills in April. You have to turn the lights on at your stadium. Pay all the employees, all your players. But it's your worst revenue month, especially for northern tier teams. A Pittsburgh, a New York, Seattle, Minnesota Twins, Cleveland, Chicago teams. So if you if you asked owners what's their favorite month, well, it's July, it's September. If you're a playoff team, it's October. Those are additional revenue games you didn't even plan, right? But of course, owners are going to push back early because they get rid of their costliest month, April. We'll get it figured out. There's too much money at stake. We'll get it figured out. But April, pretty predictable. The owners don't care if they lose those 15 to 20 games. Dear Colin, you don't talk politics much. What did you make of Joe Biden's State of the Union? Well, here's what I made of it. The next day, 78% of Americans approved. What does that mean? 78% of people in America are also not on Twitter. I have warned you for years about this. Joe Biden is too boring to be controversial. If you went to Twitter during the State of the Union, it was a tire fire, outrage. The next day, for a majority of Americans, older Americans who are not on Twitter, 78% approval. This is not a political statement. It's a social media statement. Don't buy into what you read on social media. Most adults who are busy are not on it regularly. Dear Colin, 
What can Kyler Murray learn from Baker Mayfield? Lots of missteps. Well, nothing really. But general managers can all learn something from Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Aaron Rodgers. You can't change a player's personality. They are what they are, and money only amplifies it. There's a lot of egos in football and not just with the players. And many times we think we can solve a player. Let me have a chance with him. Kyler, there's been warning signs for three years. Baker Mayfield keeps having missteps. Aaron Rodgers, he's been dramatic since his second, third year in the league. Remember when he first got the starting job? And he was mad at the Cal Bears where he went to college because he first went to a junior college and apparently he wasn't getting along with somebody at Cal. And on Monday Night Football, when they announce where you went to college, Aaron Rodgers said, Butte Community College. Aaron's been kind of a pain in the ass and high maintenance for a lot of years. You're not going to change him. People don't change, especially when they get rich. It only amplifies their personality. Dear Colin, What's the dumbest thing you heard this week from Oklahoma Sooner fans? Great question. It's hard to choose, but here's the latest. Every year with Lincoln Riley, things got a little worse. Oh, really? I looked at Bob Stoops' last five years at Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley's five years at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley had a better record. In fact, he lost two games exactly every year. He lost to Alabama once and Georgia once, and he also lost to the best college football team I've ever seen, LSU. He did lose one game to a rival, that's allowed, Texas, and he lost to Oklahoma State too. You have a, you have a right to lose to Alabama, LSU, Georgia, an occasional rival. In one of Bob Stoops' final years, he went 8-5. and five. Oklahoma Look at their history. Almost never loses five games. If you have to go to statistics to make arguments that Lincoln Riley is not a good coach, well, the Dallas Cowboys have offered him a job. He is viewed by NFL GMs as the next Sean McVay. In an offensive-leaning culture of college and pro football, he's considered the best college offensive coach. Stop making pathetic arguments, Sooner fans. You know it, and I know it. The reason Brett Venables has a chance to win early, because of all those recruits, Lincoln Riley and his staff got to Norman. Well, my guest today is a fascinating guy, Ethan Strauss. You can subscribe to his Substack at houseofstrauss.substack.com. I am a follower and a frequent listener. And so I used to be able to bring Ethan on all the time. Now he's his own industry, and it's very difficult to find the time to bring Ethan on. But what Ethan did is something that I've always been fond of, is that Ethan looked at his career. He was very successful, worked at The Athletic, covered the best basketball team initially, and then the league as a whole. And had battles and run-ins. He was somebody who did not take the company line. And then he decided, looking at the landscape, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to go out, take a chance. And that's a scary, that's a scary place to be. 
And Ethan, let's get an update on your subscriber total because it went better than you thought. Um, you, you probably, like any regular person, had a little anxiety. How are your Substack totals these days and how are you doing? Ooh, should I be honest about that, Colin? Because, you, you, you know, when somebody is playing music on the street, you don't want a bunch of money in the hat. You want to seem like they should save you and you're desperate in theory, right? <laughs> um, but it's going well. I, I do want to raise some money to be able to uh, pay my editor in perpetuity. I'm nearing the $200,000 mark uh, as far as revenue, which half a year in, I would say, is pretty good. Over 1,800 paid subscribers, over 8,000 on the free list. So it has gone better than I expected. And what's so great about it from my selfish perspective is that it doesn't just go back to zero uh, after year one. In theory, if I continue to, to do a good job and serve the customer, then it's something that you can build on. So it goes from seeming so risky, Colin, to being a lot of security and not just security uh, because people listening don't care about whatever my job security is. The great thing about it is when you have it, you can say what you want. That's what I'm into. That's what I'm in it for. So you had something very interesting the other day, um, and I thought it was fascinating. It was NBA local ratings. Hmm. And it told us a lot about the league. Okay. There was a, you, you know, you and I have talked about ratings before and, and, let me start by saying all these leagues make their money. Everybody's dying for content. Hockey has not only a huge Canadian television contract, but a massive American TV contract. And yeah. virtually nobody watches it in America at a national level. So people need content. Um, but what I found that was fascinating with it, A, Golden State, the Warriors had by far and away the largest number. Second was Cleveland without LeBron. At the bottom of the list was Brooklyn, full of stars, Clippers, full of stars, Lakers, middle of the pack, though full of stars. Here is my takeaway on Cleveland, is that Milwaukee was also way up there, and so was Philadelphia. So it wasn't a market thing necessarily. Cleveland's not a major market. Ethan, my takeaway was, we, team, and us matters. Yes. That if you have Darius Garland and young players, uh, Evan Mobley, you can bring on a Jared Allen, but the audience wants to feel connected to the players, and they don't when you bring in KD, Kyrie, Harden, that they were next to last in ratings, and the Cavaliers without LeBron are a strong number two. That was my takeaway on the list. Teams, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Embiid's been there a long time. Teams that feel cohesive, not only in the locker room, but to their community. It's not as star-driven as we think. That was my interpretation. Yours. Uh, that is also my interpretation. And it doesn't matter if the media has been lecturing so much of the public that they shouldn't care. And I'm going to get into a broader media theory of, of how the NBA went wrong here connected to this. But yes, I completely agree. People like familiarity. They like feeling that they saw somebody grow up before their eyes. There's a connection. It matters. You can't just program people into loving teams they never loved before either. If they never loved the Clippers, it's going to it's going to be hard for them to start loving the Clippers or the Nets if they love the Knicks. But 
I think where the NBA went wrong and how it promoted itself, it's a funny quirk that I don't think anybody could have predicted. Uh, I think what happened, Colin, is that it became such a fixation as to who breaks the news and it became a war. Woj versus Shams. That became the focus. Well, the problem with that is this. You need agents in order to win that game. I'm not saying I could win that game, by the way. I'm not looking down my nose. I couldn't be that guy. It's not in my skill set. But you need to do what agents want in order for them to feed you. And so the media members started talking from the perspective of agents. And that's a problem because the perspective of agents is at cross purposes with the perspective of fans. No fan ever watched Drew Rosenhaus behind a podium explaining why a star was in a holdout and thought, that's my guy. He's speaking my language. So I think in addition to what you're saying, a lot of the promotion of the sport got out of whack because it started to be about this guy's unhappy. You should be sensitive. You shouldn't be mad at him because he failed you. He wants out. Oh, he wants out again. And a lot of people just changed the channel and they didn't want a sport that featured a bunch of guys that really were advertising no concern about them. In the podcast business, I've been in this now for a year at The Volume, and we had a really, really cool growth for us. We're a small company, but we're, we're really proud of our growth. And one of the things that um, – not that it's a trade secret, but I have found with The Volume, and I didn't know this initially. In fact, my instincts were the opposite of this. I call it Buddies Over Broadway. Hmm. I initially thought bringing on big guests would get my highest downloads. They don't. What people want from my podcast is me talking to buddies, Ethan Strauss, Ryan Rossillo, Michael Silver. Hmm. They want my friends, Nick Wright. What we found is people love podcasting, not for the stars, but for this connection you're listening to a conversation between two friends and you feel like you're dropping in. And, yeah. and I, would, I would say this. Nobody would deny that star power doesn't have influence. But I do think – remember the John Stockton, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan last final? Mm. That was predicted to be a dud. It's the highest rated finals ever. Remember the Subway Series Mets-Yankees predicted to be – a dramatic ratings hit. It was at the time the lowest rated finals ever. Stars matter when the star has a compelling story. Michael Jordan's last game. Yes. Can LeBron finally bring a title to Cleveland? But the idea that stars alone move needles is completely overrated from my perspective now that I run a business. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's stories over stars. I found something similar with you where when I have my friend Amin El Hassan on, and Amin is known in media, but for whatever reason, the chemistry just tends to get the most listens. People want something organic. They want something that feels real. But to what you're saying, it's story over stars almost. You want stars plus story. And the greatest story is often one of contrast. That's the epic battle. You mentioned that it's LeBron, it's uh, Michael Jordan's last dance, but it's also the big Chicago Bulls versus the small market Utah Jazz. Interestingly, what is the highest rated Western Conference Finals? Uh, it is Sacramento versus the Lakers. 
it's not the Lakers against the big market team. It's a it's the glamorous Hollywood Shaq and Kobe Lakers against scrappy underdog blue collar Sacramento. That is a story people are drawn to. So when David Stern said his preferred NBA finals would be the Lakers versus the Lakers, it's a funny joke, but I don't think it's true. And it's not true because there's something a little more complicated about why people resonate to a a sports game and that is they want to see something epic they want to see something memorable it's not just about one team's from a place with a lot of people and another team is from a place with a lot of people covington masvidal the rivalry will be renewed this Saturday night. FanDuel Sportsbook making things even more exciting. This is awesome. Offering new customers 30 to 1 odds on either fighter. Covington or Masvidal. That's right. You can win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. Sign up now. FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code Colin. Pick the fighter. Get ready to win big. I'm going to take Colby Covington by decision over Masvidal in what should be a hell of a UFC 272 main event. FanDuel's quick and easy to get started. You get your winnings fast. Tons of different sports and bet types to wager on. It's the number one sports book in America. I love it. Don't miss your chance to cash in on one of the biggest fights of the year. Sign up. FanDuel Sportsbook. Promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. Use it today. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential health in Michigan, 1-877-HOP. P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. You know, through the years, you were an NBA reporter. Through the years, I have watched NFL reporters. They're all different. Glazer, very connected to players. He's not a volume reporter. It's more of a big story guy. Schefter's a volume reporter. Uh, Peter King ignores the draft. He's more of a storyteller. Ian Rappaport, story Mm. breaker. Uh, Schrager's kind of occasional story breaker, but a contextualizer and a personality that all these NFL reporters have a lane. So in the NBA, I'm sure that's the same, but it does feel like Shams, Woj, and a lot of them are story breakers, not as much contextualizers. Now, correct me on this. Give me five or six NBA reporters that you would view similarly to my sort of labyrinth of NFL guys, how I each one fills a different tunnel. In, in your experience with the NBA, line them up. How did you view them? So I think Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz are just incredible at writing an article that explains the NBA to you. I think Zach Lowe um probably the most valuable media member on the nba side because he can do so many things he's got an incredible versatility it's not just the writing it's also the granular observation he's completely sourced up um he he's also a good interviewer he's a direct interviewer and so he's filling a variety of roles as far as getting in with the players in that jake laser way i would say uh, chris haynes is really good with that um, so I would view him in that capacity. You mentioned the newsbreakers and I'm probably offending a lot of other people, but that's how people are, are getting slotted in. And there are a lot of great storytellers to be sure. A lot of great writers. I just don't think that the sport and especially ESPN NBA has been emphasizing what they do over the last few years. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the Woj thing is interesting because uh, you, you spent some time on this and it got, I, I imagine if you looked at your numbers, it got good feedback, right? Yeah. That um, he didn't think the Harden-Simmons trade would happen. Woj is not wrong often. Um, you know, my takeaway on Woj, I don't know him. I've talked to him a couple of times. Um, you know, I, I had heard he could be kind of territorial. I heard that 10 years ago. He's very, he could be very territorial. So was Peter Vesey. Uh, you know, very combative. I don't think Woj is as combative, but when you he could be. So you know him better than I do. But but when you were critical of Woj, what was the pushback? What did you hear that maybe wasn't public? You know what's funny, Colin, about what I do, um, and I've learned a lesson from it. I don't get any kind of pushback anymore, and it's funny to me because back when I was at ESPN or the Athletic, I would get a lot of pushback. You know, I, I say something about the NBA the NBA doesn't like, I'm getting lit up in a phone call. I say something about a player that the player's agent doesn't like or somebody else in the team, I'm getting lit up. And maybe some people are publicly critical now, but I've learned a lesson that there's no real leverage point when it comes to what I'm doing. And it's taught me that the amount of pushback you get isn't necessarily about how angry you make someone. It's about how much they think their anger can influence the situation. And so that didn't really happen. I got more people coming to me and saying, hey, uh, that's what I was thinking. I can't say it. I would have gone further. And I don't even think the criticism, Colin, is is all that much. I'm, I'm with you. I think that and you've, you're great at understanding this, that people's strengths are indivisible from their weaknesses, right? I think in order to be what Woj has become, you need to have just a burning competition within you. You've got to be somewhat ruthless in the pursuit of your goals. And I'm just looking at a 30,000 foot view and describing what's going on with the league, how it's kind of messing with ESPN's coverage in a way. And I'm just describing it as dryly as I can. But as much as I would like to say, hey, there was some sort of criticism that came to me on it, it really has not happened. It really didn't go that way. And maybe I'm just not reading enough because, frankly, I'm not on Twitter a lot. Yeah, you know, it, it's Twitter's interesting. Um, social media as a whole, I think it it evolves. Um, I think when people are offended by Twitter, they um, don't understand quite what it is. I'll give you an example. A toilet has water, but you can't yell at it because it doesn't quench your thirst. Ah. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's not the application for it. Um, Twitter is not about honesty. Twitter is not about really reporting. Twitter is about brief, emotion-filled opinions, what comes to you without great thought and the inability to give it great detail. So I'm never overly offended by Twitter. Um has your view on social media over the last five to 10 years, has it changed? Have you evolved looking at it and thinking, wow, I used to be offended. Now I'm not anymore. How do you view it? Yeah, I, I have almost more respect for it and less respect for it. I have more respect for its ability to derange people and to screw up society, but I have less res I have less respect for the average opinion I see on it, right? Um, and I try to hold true to one basic principle because it is a maelstrom and you see all these media people and they're about whatever the fashionable thing to be mad about is. They're not yes, even aware yes. that they are just reacting to what is presented to them. And it's not even an organic feeling they have and whatever they're angry about, they're going to forget about because there's going to be something new that's fashionable to be angry about a week from now. They're totally caught up in it. They're totally hooked. 
And it's something my mom said to me, and I'm hoping that some other media people that are listening can take this lesson to heart and apply it to what they do, because I have. She said to me, look, your job is to ask yourself, would a reasonable person find this reasonable, right? You know, forget about Twitter, forget about whatever the trend is, forget about whatever people are saying. If everybody's acting insane that day, they're all acting insane that day. Just envision somebody who's not on Twitter reading what you said. You know, maybe they disagree with it, but will they tell themselves that's reasonable? That's a reasonable take. That's the heuristic I'm operating under. That's what I'm shooting for. And it's hard because it's a distraction device. It's also a coercion device. Twitter is. You feel like you have to not say certain things. You feel like you have to say certain things. And so I just use it to pump out my articles, to share the links. And I don't even try to participate because like like I said, I have more respect for it in terms of what it can do to people. And I have less respect for it in terms of what is being discussed on there. Well, a great example, 78% of America is not on Twitter. 78% of America approved of Joe Biden's State of the Union. <laughs> if you were on Twitter, yeah. it was a shit show. You would have thought he was the most offensive person on the <laughs> face of the earth. Joe Biden is too boring to be consistently offensive. Yeah. He puts me to sleep. Um, I don't. In fact, I'd argue people didn't vote for him. They voted against Trump. Yeah. They voted against anxiety. They voted against weaponizing social media. They didn't vote for Biden. He's a one-term president. So I thought this week when I watched the State of the Union approval rating, I'm like, it lined up perfectly with most adults like you don't want anxiety. Like pe people don't seek anxiety. I'm not a neurotic person. Uh, I have other flaws, but I'm not overly neurotic. And <laughs> so many people in the media are very neurotic and they come to Twitter like it's the therapist couch. And it's a lot more than that. And, you know, it's also a place to compete over status because it's inherently competitive. It's all gamified. You see how many retweets you get. You see how many likes you get. So that starts to become what you're competing over. And you can just lose the thread completely of what somebody would be interested in, whatever your target audience wants. And so it's enjoyable to just, again, have my own shop. And, you know, my my readers might not be the average anything. I have no idea. But I just tend to do it according to what they want. And that just seems to be a healthier dynamic uh, than the Twitter dynamic that's totally deranging. You know, so one of the things you touched on recently – Ethan, was the NBA looking to ban media from the locker room. So I, I was in locker rooms for years. Um, I graduated from it. Uh, maybe I'll go back for a, a, a master's course at some point because I, I do sort of miss the camaraderie after games with other reporters going out for beers after a game and post game. I do miss that. It's one of the few yeah. things I miss that I was doing in my 20s and 30s. Um, so for people that have not heard your podcast or your belief on this, Take them and then we'll discuss. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I'm not in locker rooms anymore, just like you. And I don't really need to go back in to help myself, but I'm just giving my take on it. So when Adam Silver is up there and he is saying that, hey, we don't really want media back in the locker room. It's an anachronism. It was funny because he almost caught himself like he got tangled in his own web of rhetoric because he made it about how. There was some digression he got on about how it was anachronism to ban women from the locker room, and that was ridiculous, and that was insane. But now we need to ban everybody in the locker room, and it's an anachronism to have anybody in there. It's just, wait a second, what? Like that, huh? And he was really laying on this idea that it's privacy, 
and guys are changing. And because a lot of fans, I think, uh, they take in the product and they don't see how the product is made. That sounds a little bit reasonable. Um, but generally, there aren't media members hovering around guys when they're changing and the guys can actually change in a private way if they absolutely want to. Um, you're supposed to wait for people to get changed these days before you approach them and ask questions. I think the real risk of the locker room and the thing players dislike the most, because I heard way more complaints about this than, you know, get away, I'm changing. It's the idea that somebody from the media is going to hear something they're saying and put it out there. I think that's the big fear. And you'll hear them talk to one another. Just stop, 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 stop. You know, oh, the police are here. You know, don't, you know, be careful. And sometimes they, they'll forget and they'll be in a loose conversation and they'll be talking about things that they wouldn't want said out in the world. And yes, locker room talk is a thing. It does exist. Guys in there are discussing things that in no way the NBA would want out there in the world. And... I think that's what they're afraid of, and that's what they're trying to protect against, and they can make everything a bit more controlled. Now, the downside is this, Colin. It's that you get a lot of great stories in the locker room. It's, it's Oh, yes. No it, question. Yeah. It's way easier. I mean, I, I can think of stories that I, I was able to construct after a huge playoff game because I, I could just go like, boom, bing, you know, go to Steph Curry, go to Clay Thompson, go to, you know, Kevon Looney, whoever, and learn things that would have taken me months to learn about what just happened. And I think it's easy to say, I don't care about that. If you're a fan, I don't care. But ultimately, everything is derived from story. We understand everything through story. When the guys are announcing the games, when Jeff Van Gundy, when he's not on some random tangent and doing his own podcast, he's usually talking about something that he read and that is informing what he's telling you on the broadcast. It's just going to make the media product worse, I think, to get the the media out of the locker rooms. And if the NBA has concerns about people overhearing something they shouldn't hear, something offensive, something personal, guy cheating on his wife, whatever, then maybe approach that in a separate, more targeted way and don't just get rid of something that I think has served you well for decades. You know, um, when you and I talk, we often do, and I don't do this very often, um, but you have interesting sort of takes on it uh, on the media. And uh, I, I don't use it on my radio show much or my television because I don't think it's as captivating, but I do talk a little bit more about it in podcasting because I'm in the business and I do feel sometimes they're just interesting stuff. If Troy Aikman leaves Fox, you know, yeah. have a take on it. People, you know, there's access. Um, one of the things, and I don't know if it's a criticism, but it's something I see over and over that I joked about the other day on television. I saw my dad mad one time as a kid. He went out to the sprinkler, asked me to fold the hose, and he got right next to the sprinkler and I unfolded it, and it soaked him. And he was in his white medical jacket going to work, and he was really mad. And so I did not grow up in a household of outrage. My mom occasionally got mad at my dad. He'd come home with too many pops, and she'd yell at him. Hmm. But... Something I see a lot of is is outrage, and uh, I see it much more in the political media, and it, it is something – I think it's such a disservice to fans because I do think it sort of ramps up fans, and it makes it look as though we're crazy people. Yeah. And and, and I'm not somebody that, that believes that 
you know, the media is any one thing. A hospital isn't any one thing. There's chief of staff, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's janitorial, there's a gift shop. There's a million things at a hospital. But the media outrage, I think, punctures the credibility long term of us. And I, I think we should be suppressing outrage. Yeah. I have always felt I should be the judge. The audience can be the jury. The athletes can be the prosecuting attorney and the DA, right? Yeah. Or the people on trial. Am I overstating the outrage? Do you notice it? Because it just feels like more and more it's becoming sort of accepted that you can be regularly outraged in the media. And in real life, I don't think people are. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a cost to appearing unhinged. And a lot of media people on social media compartmentalize and they hope other people compartmentalize, but maybe the people watching you are not going to compartmentalize. And it gets tricky here, but I know media members where I want the fans to love them. I think that they're incredible at what they do and I'll have a conversation and maybe I'm with my cousin. I'm thinking about a specific conversation and he's just railing about this guy because of what he's like on Twitter. And I say, you should love this guy. He covers your favorite teams. He does an incredible job. Nobody works harder. And my cousin goes, yeah, but I hate him. And that's the effect I think that sometimes is unseen, that you are turning people off to what you're saying. You're maybe riling them up, but it's not compartmentalized just because you want it to be compartmentalized. You are in public. People can see you. And a lot of times it seems like the only people that you're assuming can see you are your peers whom you're trying to impress in a particular way yeah. that doesn't serve the interests of the customer who can feel your disrespect and sometimes antipathy and it gets particularly bad when they're lecturing the fans and they're telling fans what they should be what they should be mad at how they shouldn't be outraged you know people saying don't joe you know ben simmons you shouldn't be critical of him because he might you know he has a legitimate issue and it's no joke and it's almost a front lash like they're not even reacting to anything anybody said they're already lecturing the fans um, I think that's that's where the dynamic gets gets bad. That's where they often, um, I think, incur a lot of uh, contempt and it becomes mutual and it becomes mutual on the other side of it, too, because it's got this other problem. I didn't expect us to talk so much about Twitter, but hey, the NBA went all in on it, which is a whole other topic. You know, this was a yeah. deliberate strategy by the league with Jack Dorsey he used to run Twitter and they tried to integrate one another. But the other issue with it is that it teaches the media to hate the fans because you don't remember the nice thing that's said about you on social media. That just rolls off you like water off a duck's back. You remember the thing that's terrible. And so a lot of media people will see that those few mentions from fans that really hurt their feelings. And then that taints how they view it because, you know, I, I, if, uh, God, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that's not completely disgusting, but you know, if you're drinking a cool glass of water, Colin, and 90% is just fresh, wonderful water, but the other 10% is, let's say, something scatological, uh, it's not a good taste. <laughs> and so that right. is what that's what the media people are getting. They're getting that experience, and it's making them angrier and worse towards the people they should be serving. With sports betting taking off, it's important to find the experts you can trust to help you make some money, right? Check out the Favorites Sports Betting Podcast powered by FanDuel, only on the Volume Podcast Network. 
My buddy Chad Millman, pro better Simon Hunter from the Action Network, twice a week here to help you become a smarter football better. Every Tuesday and Thursday, Chad and Simon break down the strategies of professional sports bettors, the ones they use to find the right games and the right time to bet. Download the favorite sports betting podcast only on the Volume Podcast Network. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. And now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. You still get information despite not being in locker rooms nightly. I am a believer that the one thing you can't change with an athlete is indifference. Mm. 
you love the sport or you love what the sport provides for you. I don't buy Ben Simmons. I don't think he'll ever be solved. I don't think he's competitive. I don't think he loves the game. Uh, they've often said this about NBA centers. The reason there's so many busts is because they were six feet 11 in seventh grade. Yep. And basketball was just the easiest thing for them to do. You know, Ben Simmons is almost 6'11 and a guard. Um, I I don't think the Brooklyn Ben Simmons thing is going to work. Using your access, I've heard he's just not. I've heard he's odd, mm-hmm. not a great guy, indifferent, doesn't love the game. What do you make? I think Harden in Philly is going to work magically and quickly because I think he's just one great player joining a very positive, optimistic, joyful locker room. What do you hear about Simmons that maybe I haven't heard? I just remember there was somebody in the league, a player who met him. And the first question Simmons asked him was, what's the first car you bought when you came to the NBA? And that caused this player to go, oh, no, that's not it's not a good sign that this rookie is uh, coming. And that's this is the first topic of conversation. It's not what do I need to get better at. You know, how do I acclimate like that's that's the focus. Now, you could accuse me of overreading that or oversimplifying. I think we have swung way too far in this other direction. And you've called it safetyism of almost doubting our own instincts in media and uh, right. trying not to be critical in that way and not insinuate that a guy has a lack of love for the game. But I think that is an anecdote that uh, reveals something. And I agree with you. And maybe there are criticisms of James Harden that he could be checked out or parties too much or whatever. But the thing about James Harden is he's a basketball genius. You know, he might yeah. not ingratiate himself to you as a fan when he's flopping and figuring out new and creative ways to get a foul call. But you ask Quinn Snyder, uh, coach of the Jazz, and he will speak reverently because he's had to game plan against James Harden and figure out all kinds of ways to stop him. And the guy just always seems to solve the puzzle. You know, he didn't solve the puzzle against those great Warriors teams, but it's a hell of a problem to solve. But Harden's a basketball genius. He's MVP level. And if you want to talk about the inner media game and how it influences the reporting in the aftermath of that trade, it almost seemed like NBA media was saying, hey, it's pretty even. I like Ben Simmons as a fit. I think that has a lot to do with James Harden not having an agent and Ben Simmons being represented by one of the most powerful agencies, that that was even the ruling on that trade, I believe, has something to do with it. Well, you know, you you talked about initial instincts and agents. Eric Burkhart is Kyler Murray's agent, and he's well-liked and well-known. And I am a believer that first instincts matter. I remember Nick Saban saying Johnny Manziel is going to be great at the next level. And Nick Saban knows a lot more football than me. But my initial instincts on the first two times I heard Johnny Manziel talk off a field, I said, I said it to this day, I said, total bust undraftable. Uh, I thought he was selfish. He was into Johnny Manziel. He had no self-awareness, despite the fact he had small shoulders, small hips. He was a small person. My first instinct on Kyler Murray is that he was odd. He did an interview with Dan Patrick that was so bizarre. And my takeaway was you would never see that from Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. At the time, I didn't know Herbert would be a great NFL player. But 
I think it, it is interesting about that is there is this concern that don't have a generalization based on an initial conversation. But with football, my initial feeling on Cam, Johnny Manziel, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, 10 years ago, I said his body language is Jay Cutler. It's horrible. Did you ever have um, – go back to your NBA days. Did you know instantly – Draymond's a fascinating player. Draymond, uh, very much a grinder, chip on the shoulder, dropped to the second round. Did you know instantly this guy is glue? He's great. He's going to fit with all these guys. Take me to your relationship with him early. Yeah, I didn't know instantly. I don't know how anybody could because Mark Jackson was playing him at the three but he was making plays. He was uh, involved in that first playoff series. And even if he didn't really have it figured out offensively, there was something to him. Good things happen when he was on the floor. I think I was yes. pretty I was pretty early to the idea of him as this all-world switchable defensive player. I don't I don't attribute that to me being any kind of genius. I just think it's easier to hear a car alarm when you're near it. Right. It's easier to see <laughs> something if you're on the ground. I made a prediction in 2014 that the Warriors were going to win the championship. They won the championship. And that's something that people sometimes say in my favor. Obviously, I've gotten other predictions wrong, but I keep saying the same thing, which is that I was there at training camp. I was watching this team go from looking like, hey, Steph, figure something out in the pick and roll play after play to, oh, my God, look at this offense. This is unlike anything I've seen in my life. Okay, I'll, I'll predict them to win the championship. It's easier to hear a car alarm when you're close to it. A lot of media people are accused of Homer, biased. Okay, that can happen. But again, it's a lot easier to see a new trend, to notice if somebody's yes. good yes. if you're actually there. And so, yes, I was early relative to other people in seeing what Draymond Green could become. I wrote a lot of the early articles for it on ESPN, but I don't attribute that to my having any special kind of insight. I just attribute that to him being a revolutionary defensive player uh, who just came along at the exact right time for that team and flourishing. And maybe I was just around that before it really hit critical mass. You know, I've said, Ethan, for years, I've said the one place where fans know more than media, because in the NFL, I can watch every Charger game and every Bengal game. There's just not that many games. Mm. But in a volume sport like baseball, that even Peter Gammons in his prime is not watching every Mariner game. Where fans really have an advantage on the media is baseball bullpens. Mm. You can go to a box score and keep up with Ichiro if you live in Boston and look at his nightly, you know, you can go look yeah. at his stats. This is where fans have a big advantage. If you're a diehard baseball fan and you watch your team every night, I always say, what do you feel like when they go to the bullpen? <laughs> and you'll have a feeling because when I was at, when I was a seam head back in like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, really into baseball, you would have a feeling about every single member of the bullpen. And there's no way to know that as a national guy. There's no way to know that. You, there's always the setup guy you love yeah. and the setup guy that makes you nervous. And I, I think going back to that, you can skim and cover the NFL, mostly the NBA, a lot of sports. You can't skim a bullpen. Yeah. And, and and so your point is with the NBA, you're the first to see it. Now, 
now, but I could skim the Warriors and have a feeling. So I'm going to go back to the Warriors on this. I think they're fascinating. I don't know if you can win a championship and be that small. I still don't know if James Wiseman fits. But the interesting player is Jonathan Kuminga, 6'7", athletic, totally springy, and a willing defender. Yeah. So when you when you look at this Warriors team, because you see them more than most, you're now inter- you have a bridge now. Hmm. You're kind of a fan because you've covered yeah. them and know the people, and you're in a um, a, a media space. So yeah. that's a nice intersection. What do you make? Can they beat Phoenix? Do you trust them in the playoffs? Does your does the size worry you on the Warriors? It's funny. You did ask about the one team that I can say reliably that I watch because now that I do what I do, it's it's different. I talk to a lot of GMs. I talk to a lot of people in the league, but I'm not watching all the time. Right. I'm not. But I am watching the Warriors on the exercise bike. I am doing that. They are the local team. Uh, I am, you know, among the many people who are helping the Warriors get double the local ratings of the next most popular team. They're very easy to watch. And I feel like I have an understanding because they have that core. I feel the same way you do. It, It seems like too small. It seems like that's a lot to even hope for with Wiseman at this age, especially when he had these instincts that looked rather shaky. Um, when he did play, uh, before getting hurt last season and they don't seem as complete as Phoenix does. They don't, you know, maybe we'll see that heart of a champion stuff. Maybe we'll see them dig deeper, but I I think it would be an incredible story of the Warriors one again. I can say, because I'm not traditional media, you can't say what you're rooting for. No, I'm rooting for them. I would love the Warriors to make a run and win a championship, but it would surprise me if they did. That's what I would say. So, Ethan, I'm going to give the floor to you because our conversations tend to be kind of um, um, substantive, but not directed in any one place. We kind of just bounce around and talk about what interests us. What have I not addressed today that you're interested in? Yeah, I can't really I can't really think about it. I, I take your lead. I would say that my website is substantive, but not in any particular direction. Um, and that's what people get from it when they come back to it. If I would do a particular, a particular plug, but yeah, I can't really come up with anything. I think you asked great questions and I answered them as they could. I didn't come in with an agenda. I thought your John Morant take was, was interesting. Let's talk about John Morant. Yeah, let's do that. That's, that's something to discuss. Okay. Because it was, there was an irony to it. It was almost a paradox. You were railing against the safetyism. When being concerned, you were, you were railing against the safetyism of assessments of players while being concerned about John Morant's safety. So I found it to be an intriguing take in that way. You were voicing your concern that he would get hurt. And it's funny. It's like you don't hear that concern from media people a lot, even though injuries are a big factor. Everybody talks about how teams are going to do as though we're playing uh, NBA 2K and turned injuries off. But it's something to discuss. And it's an important, important question, not just for the Grizzlies, not just for John Morant, but for the league, because that's the next guy. The league is in a precarious point, I think. They, they are. They need stars and yeah. and, and rootable um, people that ingratiate themselves. Fun, young people like them, older yeah. fans like them. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about instincts. You know, my job is to describe things, but a lot of what matters is ineffable. You can't put words to it. I watched John Moran. I go, that guy's got that thing. 
You know, I don't know what that thing is, but he's got that thing. Giannis doesn't have that thing. Love Giannis. Love watching him. Incredible player. Doesn't have that thing. Doesn't have that transcendent superstar uh, in the United States of America. Kawhi doesn't have it. Oh, yeah. Kawhi doesn't have that thing. You know, Steph Curry has that thing. LeBron James has angered a lot of people, but LeBron had that thing. Uh, John Morant has that thing. He has that thing that Derrick Rose had before he got hurt. He has that thing that Allen Iverson had when he was at the peak of his powers. That is not only a superstar, but that's somebody who is potentially box office, somebody who could save your league. He is the most important player in basketball. That might sound like an exaggeration because he plays in Memphis and because he's new on the scene. But this is a league right now that has post-Jordan popularity while their versions of Jordan and LeBron and Steph are still playing and getting older. They need somebody to take the reins. So that's they why I, that's why I watched it with interest. And I think that people don't make the assessment you made, Colin, because they fear it will be taken the wrong way. They fear it will mean to a lot watching that you're rooting for an injury to happen. But I listened and I thought, yeah, that's a concern. He's flying in there. He's got a skinny frame. You know, it's a it's a scary thing. I hope they take care of him and they're careful. Yeah, he's 174 pounds. Derek Rose was 200. He is rail thin and What's interesting, he really does compare to Rose, where he's beyond springy, super twitchy, wildly exciting, a highlight machine, struggles from three, forced to go to the rim. And Derrick Rose and him both played in the NBA without the hand check. You can't stay in front of him. You simply can't stay in front of him. You know, I've argued this. I think I've told you. I think the NBA should bring the hand check back. Mm. You think it makes the league more physical. It doesn't. It keeps great guards out of the lane where they get hurt. Mm, so you can't, you cannot defend. You can absolutely not stay in front of great guards. Translation: They go in. They're outweighed by eighty pounds. The floor is hard. The contact's brutal. Look at the number of injuries to point guards over the last five years. It's brutal. Yeah. Wall, Westbrook, Chris Paul, D Rose. For the record. Morant's been dinged up a couple of times already. Yeah, and I also just think that Donovan Mitchell. And yeah. I and I also just think that the you know maybe the theme of this podcast is how sometimes you can just outthink instincts by getting a little too into the numbers, thinking that you can just figure out what's popular algorithmically as opposed to just being a person. Algorithmically, I think the NBA looked at the situation and said people love points. People love when points are scored. More points, good. More points equals viewers. Let's change the rules and make sure that guys are scoring as many points as possible. And what does it lead to? A bunch of flopping. And it turns out that the fans actually don't want 142 to 141. That's not what they want. It sounds good in theory. It's not what they want. They also don't want 75 to 72, as was happening in the early 2000s. There's a balance. There's a platonic ideal. They probably want it in that 100 to 110 range. And when it's the playoffs, they might want it a little bit lower because it's a grueling battle and every possession feels like life and death. That's what they want. So 
I don't know if hand check is the solution, but it does seem like the NBA needs to do a few things to bring the game back to something that is recognizable to people who have watched it forever instead of being a flopping plus three-point contest. Credit to them for starting to call some of those flops. But yes, sometimes you can outthink yourself and there are limitations. There are limitations. You can't just uh, press turbo on the points and be rewarded with a ton of people watching. Ethan Strauss, please subscribe to his Substack at houseofstrauss.substack. And that is house of S-T-R-A-U-S-S. He is Ethan Strauss. He's always interesting. My man, keep crushing. I'm not going to ask a lot because you're very oh, come busy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I just love you called me fascinating. A suburban dad getting called fascinating. Quite a coup, Colin. <laughs> Anytime. Love to be here. Appreciate the support. Thanks, man. Thank you. The volume. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.